Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hello and welcome to Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here as we learn how to persuade, motivate, and influence, learn the skills we should have learned in school. We have a special guest today, David Wood. Buckle up, get out your notepads. You're going to learn some great things about life, about success, about leadership, about influence. Let's talk about David. After life as consulting expert for Fortune 100 companies, David built the world's largest coaching business, becoming number one on Google for life coaching. Discovering the shiny object syndrome is an epidemic among high performers. David coaches rock star business owners to double revenue, achieve more in less time. We all want that. And be more extraordinary entrepreneur, partner, parent, and leader. He's also the author of Get Paid for Who You Are, has appeared on CNN, Headline News, Forbes, and has done over 180 podcasts. He's also coming out with a new book called Name That Mouse. David, welcome. Thank you, Kurt. Appreciating your energy and enthusiasm. Thanks for having me on the show. It's good to have you as we talk about things that change lives. People wonder it's taken so long to be successful. A lot of times it comes to self-persuasion, motivation, influence, the things we'll be talking about today. So I am excited to have you here. But as our listeners know, we have to start off with the first question of the day, put you on the spot. What is the worst vegetable on the planet and why? I think okra is a vegetable. The worst vegetable on the planet, that's pretty strong, but it's a little bit slimy. Not a huge fan. (laughs) Even if you deep fat fry it, put ranch on it, it's still not edible? Well, you deep fry anything, you lose points with me anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I've had it. I think okra and saltfish I've had when I've gone to to Jamaica, but not my favorite vegetable. And eggplant would be a close second. I would agree with you on eggplant. Both of those, yeah, they'd be on the top of the list. You can't even salvage them with ranch dressing, but anyway, or less of butter. Let's move on. Let's talk about success. You know, people want to be more successful. They want to accomplish more in less time. As you look at the world now, a lot of changes have happened out there. What do you think is the the biggest mistake people are making right now as they pursue success and pursue their goals? Wow, what a big question. Here's a mistake that I make in life and business all the time. I think it's a common one. And that is to think that something's wrong. So I woke up this morning and feeling a little tired. My brain says, that's wrong. You shouldn't feel tired. There's no need for that thought. I'm already tired. It's already done. Thinking that I shouldn't be tired doesn't change it. It just now has me, not only am I tired, but now I'm dissatisfied with my experience in life. Entrepreneurs in particular, as we're going for business, it can be very scary and the mind can give us all sorts of thoughts. Oh, I should be making more money. I should be more successful. I should have that person as a client. I should be doing this. I should be more productive. Blah, 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 blah. There's a mistake that I think everyone tends to make. The ego will just tell us over and over, this is wrong. You're too short. You're too fat. You're too poor. You're too old. And I don't think we have to listen to that voice. We don't have to believe it when it comes. And we all have that voice, that negative voice in our head that's 
condescending. That's mean. That's probably our worst critic. You know, you, yeah. I should be doing this. I should be doing more of this. I should be doing less of this. You're wrong here. You should be doing this. So we have this voice. How do we turn down that volume? How do we turn it off? Is there a strategy you have to get us back on track? Because we all deal with that every day. Yeah, I do have a strategy. And I'm currently writing a new book with my co-author Shana List. And it's called Name That Mouse. Because the elephant isn't the only animal in the room. And I believe that this book is a pathway to quietening the voice a little bit. But what is a mouse? Well, we all know about the elephant in the room. You see it, I see it, no one's saying anything about it. Like, suppose I shut up to this podcast with blood on my face and I don't talk about it. That's clearly an elephant in the room. But the mouse in the room is much more subtle. It might be a, a thought we're having or an emotion or an experience. And that's what we're talking about here. These negative thoughts, I wish I was making more money. I might be jealous of a friend of mine who's had such success in business and I'm feeling jealous. That's a mouse. It's not an elephant in the room because he doesn't see it. Or maybe he feels it energetically, but I feel it. And it's every time I see him, I'm feeling jealous. Maybe I could artfully name that mouse so that it's not creating distance between me and him. Hey, I just want to name something. I am so jealous and envious of your success. And I notice I'm inspired as well. And I just wanted to name that. You don't have to do anything with it. I just want to name that and get it out there. It's motivating me to work harder. And so thank you for that. Right, there's an example. And I believe as we name these mice, as we name these thoughts, they have less power over us. If I'm attracted to someone and I say, hey, I notice I'm attracted to you. You're amazing. It may have less power and less division. It also gets us to more influence, but that. Uh, this podcast is all about influence. So I got excited because I believe that the more transparent we are, the more we reveal our experience to someone else and we can then connect around that, the more confidence we'll have and the more influence we'll have. As we name that mouse, that, that really stretches us to realize, okay, that's my issue and finally identify. As we name that mouse, talked about the person that you're jealous of because they're financially independent. Do I just identify the mouse to myself or do I have to tell that person, look, you're my mouse? Yeah, that's a great question. Firstly, there are several different categories of mice. So one category that we're very excited about is the mirror mouse. And that's the one that we're revealing for us. So maybe it's in your journaling. You realize, hey, I'm jealous. Okay, I'm going to write that down. Hey, I'm really attracted to this person. I haven't said anything. You write that down. This is so exciting to me because we're revealing our experience to ourself. I grew up with some trauma as a kid, I had a traumatic event and learned not to feel emotions and just to skip over all of that and come up with a solution. We want to slow down to the speed of connection. So that's where mirror mice can come in handy. If those mice are involving somebody else, question is, do we share it? Do we need to share it? I believe wherever possible, there are a lot of bonus points from sharing it. Now, I'll give you an example. This is a pretty big mouse and an old mouse that I had. My coach asked me to write down a list of anyone I was incomplete with. Anyone from my past or present that I wasn't happy with wouldn't want to see crossing the street. One person on the list was someone from high school, someone who'd bullied me a bit. And we used to be friends and then it went apart and I'd been sad about it and hated him for 20 years. And she said, all right, call him, name a mouse. 
she didn't use those words, but she named that mouse, call him. And I'm like, are you kidding? Can't I just journal or go to a priest or talk with a therapist and not actually have to call him? And she kept pushing me to call him because she said, well, she didn't say this, but it was, I'm paraphrasing, there's magic available when you are vulnerable with another human being. And so I got the coaching and I finally called him after 20 years of no contact. And I said to him, I didn't say I want to name a mouse because I didn't have those words, but I said, I'm so worried that you're going to think I'm an idiot. That was the loudest mouse in my head. I'm worried you're going to think I'm an idiot. He said, oh, well, I'm curious now. Tell me, what have you got? And I told him, I've hated you for years. This is why, and I'm letting go of it. It doesn't serve anyone to hold on to it. You don't have to do anything other than listen. I just want to apologize for resenting you for 20 years. And this guy, who I thought was a jerk, said to me, oh, well, what can I say or do now to help you or us move forward? Like, what? We became friends in the space of 20 minutes. I think there's usually upside in naming it artfully with someone. You're not going to call them and say, hey, I just want to name a mouse. You're a jerk. No, we don't do that, right? That would, that would feel good, though. It, yeah. <laughs> exactly, anyway, not long term, but... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Feel good until you get the re reaction from them, and now you got all these other mice to deal with. So the book is about how to artfully name your mouse, be transparent with someone else so that they know more who you are, you know more who you are, and then who knows? There might be impact on them. They might have some mice that they want to share as well, and they might now feel safe enough to speak up because you've gone first. That's a good point. And it, most of the time when you get the courage to call someone, you remember that time? They're like, oh, I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> they don't even remember it. And you've been rehashing it for 20 years or whatever the time frame is. And just getting past that point that is huge for motivation. And like you mentioned confidence. And influence. People might be thinking, oh, this is just for the personal side. No, this has massive business application. When I asked Jack Kenfield if he would write the foreword to my book, something that was niggling at me was the fact that I'd also asked Richard Branson. And if Richard Branson said yes, I was going to go with him. So I felt a bit awkward and weird asking Jack. Now, I could have just glossed over that. I could have not named a mouse, but I took a risk. I said, Jack, and I just want to be really upfront with you. I have asked Richard Branson and if he says, yes, I'm going to go with that, would you be willing to be my backup? And I know that's a big ask. And he said, well, I understand you're going alphabetically. That makes sense. Branson Canfield. I thought that was a classic line. Soon after that, I, um, I, I reached, I didn't know Jack well at all. And I reached out, I said, I'm going to be in town. Is there any chance we could do lunch? And he actually said yes, which surprised me. And then while we're having lunch, his wife invited me to stay overnight, watch the debates, and then do kickboxing with them in the morning. And I believe, I can't prove this, but I believe it's my transparency. It was the fact that I would take a risk and name a, a mouse to be vulnerable that really made a difference. And actually, when I went to the Transformational Leadership Council, which Jack co-founded with John Gray and a lot of other leaders. I'm there with peers like Marianne Williamson is there in the room and Oprah's executive producer. And I was so blown away. And I stood up in that room and I named a big mouse for me. And it was a huge risk. I said, 
Look, I'm really nervous. I notice I want you all to like me and I really want to impress. And I'm going to try not to do that and let it go, but it's so strong. I just want to name that. Big risk. They could have gone, what a jerk, what an idiot. But they didn't do that. It really opened up the connection with a lot of people. And they're like, wow, I love that you said what said the truth. You said what was going on. Another quick example, I once called a boss of mine who I had threatened to sue. And, you know, 10, 15 years later, I realized, you know, I was still in the sim, in a related industry and I, that connection could be useful to me. And I'm like, that guy's got to hate me. Called him up, named a mouse. Actually, by now it's an elephant in the room. And I said, look, you know, I know I, I, I sent a letter of demand and we got that handle. I just want to know, is there any bad blood? Is there anything I can do to repair the relationship? And he said, oh, I'm sure at the time I didn't like having to pay that money, but that's all water under the bridge. How are you doing? And we had the most open chat I've ever had with my former boss. He told me about his divorce. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe what's happening here. Magic can happen when we start naming our mice. And listeners, I hope you caught that because we live in a world where people are skeptical. Trust is at an all-time low. And you mentioned some great words, transparency and truth. I'm going to add authentic and genuine. Those words keep coming up again and again as they've been studying persuasion, influence, building trust. That is key in this world where people are so skeptical now where they're like, I'm not sure if I trust you. When you open up first and you are transparent and genuine, authentic, it opens the doors to influence. And that is a very, very important point. Make sure you write that down and work on it. I know we want to be perfect. Even in marketing, we found if you can reveal a few weaknesses, it increases people's trust of your product or service. But everyone's afraid to do it. i got to be perfect. No, you don't. <laughs> when you have a few flaws, a few warts, a few mice, as you call them, right? Those things change and people open up as you open up. I love that you just connected that to marketing. It's so true. Alex Mondosian is an amazing marketer. And he taught me to get up on stage and sell authentically. And I, so I learned to start the presentation with, I'm going to do everything in my power to motivate, influence, and persuade you to continue your training with me. So I figure the best way to do that is give you the most value I can in the next 60 minutes. And at the end, I'll extend an invitation and you can decide if you want to continue with me. Does that sound fair? Those were most of my mice out up front. So now they didn't have to sit there wondering, is this guy going to pitch us? Is this guy going to sell us at the end? They know. I'm going to sell them at the end and I'm owning it and I'm upfront about it and boy, did it build trust. And I'll tell you, Kurt, at the end, when I offered my training, people stampeded. I'd never had this in my life. They stampeded to the back of the room. One woman leapt onto the table full length to get a token for a special offer that I'd offered. And I really believe that it was the massive transparency even telling on myself when I made a mistake in the speech and laughing at myself, it was the massive transparency that made a difference. Now, look, you're not going to do this 10 out of 10 times. You got 10 mice, you're not going to name them all because there might be somewhere maybe you don't want to invest in the relationship or maybe the consequence is so big. Look, I've gone and confessed to a crime. When I was younger, I did something that was illegal and I tracked the person down 20 years later, confessed to a crime, could have been prosecuted, could have gone to jail. Maybe you don't want to risk that. 
Maybe if you broke an agreement, uh, a confession mouse is one of the categories of mice in, in our book. And maybe you realize you might lose the relationship if you confess that you broke an agreement. You need to decide, am I willing to risk the consequences for the connection that could be possible? And if you're not, okay, maybe you don't name that mouse. But nine times out of ten, even when your mind is telling you, oh, I couldn't say that, find a way to, to name that mouse. That's a good point, that stampede you talked about, where he says, yeah, I'm here, I'm going to sell you something, I'm going to give you an invitation. I think a big part is that you felt more congruent, you came across as more congruent, more transparent, they felt that, there was a bigger connection, so it's also part of that self-persuasion, and of course, that congruence that works through that, so thank you for... Yeah, and Kurt, a guy said to me the weirdest thing, and bear in mind, I'm from a country town in Australia, right? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fairly classic Australian in many ways. And one guy said to me, you seemed very Buddha-like on the stage. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> me? But again, I have to wonder if what it was for him was that I was me. And I'd spoken, uh, you know, I'd spoken a lot in my life. And then for six years, I did not speak on stage because I just felt too much of a fraud. And this was my first speech back after six years, and something had shifted. And I think what had shifted is that I had learned how to be me and not do a song and, well, I, I'll perform. I'm a great performer, but not do an unconscious dog and pony show and try and perform and present something I'm not and try and pretend I'm like massively successful with millions of dollars in the bank. I busted those myths right up front with everybody. I said, I'm not that guy. But I, I did say, I make about 70000 a month and sometimes my income spikes by 40000 a month because I worked three days that month. Is that something of interest to you? And they went, yeah. And everyone else out there was like at least pretending to be a, a millionaire or a billionaire. I'm like, that's not me. But here's what I've got. Would that be of interest? And I really, this has application in marketing. It has application in leadership. It has application in parenting. You will be a different parent if you start mouse naming and have your kids start mouse naming. Hey, mommy, can I name a mouse with you? Yeah. What do you got? Okay, thank you for that. Now, hearing that, I have another mouse that just popped up. Can I name that with you? Okay, great. Here's my mouse. And then we ping pong back and forward. I had a, a meeting with my roommate. My roommate's 21 years old. I'm 52. And so I knew I was signing on for maybe some difficult communication. We had a house meeting and I set a timer. And I said, right, one of us is going to speak uninterrupted for three minutes. But what I didn't say is naming their mice. But I said three minutes and then we'll switch. We went back and forth ping ponging, naming our mice for 45 minutes until both of us were absolutely complete. There was nothing left. And I felt like I had an ally in the house again instead of an enemy. So this stuff really, really works. Let me ask you this. As you were doing research for Name That Mouse, what was the big key? When we're talking about influence here, what is one of the, the, the big key? If you were to put it one key on influence, what was the big key to influencing somebody right now? I think it's the transparency. And the vulnerability. Here's another huge example from, from last month with me. My landlord moved in downstairs 
where I was living in my last house. And I was so nervous about that because he's can be a bit, this is my way or the highway. And my nervous system's very sensitive. And it's my landlord. If something goes wrong, he's going to kick me out is my story. And the first day he got there, he opened the adjoining door connecting his space to my space and just walked in and started using the storage room. I'm stressing out completely. And I asked him, hey, would you be willing to give me a heads up so I know when you're coming in? He said, no. And I said, well, I think I have a right to that as your tenant. He said, no, you don't. And I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, this is how it's going to be. I had a panic attack. My nervous system's a little fragile, uh, particularly around my living situation. And after two days of suffering, I asked him if he'd meet me for a cup of tea in the garden so we could talk about it. And I, you know, I wrote a long text with the aim of selling him on having a cup of tea. Because if he said no, how was I going to influence him? This was a game of influence. And he said yes. And I met him for a cup of tea and I was very nervous because I felt like a lot was riding on this. And the first thing I did was ask him about the house and how he created it. So I got curious. And then after he talked for half an hour about the house, and I felt like we'd really connected around that, I said, can I tell you a little bit about what's going on with me? And I wish I'd said, can I name a mouse with you? Have you heard that expression? And he said, yeah, go ahead. What do you got? And I said, I am really trying to change my mind so I can get on board with what you want in the house. I really am trying. And I'm absolutely miserable. I can't sleep. I'm stressed out. I'm looking for a hotel. And I wonder, is there any way you'd be willing to give me 24 hours notice before opening that door and coming into what's been my space for the last year? And he said, yeah, I can do that. And I was in tears sitting there with him, looking out over the valley. I, it meant so much to me, the relief that my nervous system would get a, a heads up when he's going to come and I don't have to be on alert and constantly scanning. I say that is such a great example of influence because this guy was telling me, no, this is exactly how it's going to be. I'm the landlord. I've got rights. This is how it is. And I could have gone combative. I could have gone for a lawyer. That was my next step. But before I did that, I named my mice with him and I think it was the vulnerability that had him go, yeah, yeah, you got it. I showed him exactly what was happening with me. And I then, after that day, instead of an enemy downstairs that my dog was barking at all the time, I had an ally who was offering to pick up stuff for me in town. I'm offering to carry his groceries from the car. It was an incredible, miraculous transformation. Maximizers, hopefully you caught that. It's okay to be transparent, be open, name your mice. You can be transparent by revealing weaknesses, being you, being real. And of course, we're always telling the truth, but you build the trust. That's what people are looking for. And sometimes this is counterintuitive for a lot of influencers. So make sure you think about that this week as you go through this. So David, well said. Where can our listeners find out more about you and name that mouse? Thank you. Well, you can get right now, you can get the trailer or the, the mini mini book. We wrote a little preview to give people a sense of it. There are beautiful illustrations of different mice. There's a confession mouse, there's a desire mouse, there's an appreciation mouse. I won't tell you the rest. You can get that right now 
for something ridiculous like I think it's three dollars. You can also get on my mailing list. I send out a couple of emails. I've got a podcast called Extraordinary Focus with David Wood. Also, there might be something that resonated with you and you might want coaching or training for your team or for your company around transparency and connection. And you can reach out to me at this same link. It's namethatmouse.com. Namethatmouse.com will take you straight to my website and then you can go through the navigation and uh, reach out for coaching or get on the mailing list to get regular content from me. Thanks, David, for your words of wisdom. That's a wrap on podcast 387. For more information, go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com where you can take your free Persuasion IQ assessment. But take a look at your notes. Pick something that you learned at this podcast. Apply it this week. Go out and persuade with power and make the world a better place.